your church. Hallelujah. Jesus, you are a good God. Come on, somebody. Worship him right now. He's been good to us, church. He redeemed us. He saved us. He set us free. Jesus, you are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's all clap our hands in the fear of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You guys can make your way back to your seats. Hallelujah. God is good, amen? Amen. You know, uh, Pastor Philosophy said something earlier today. He, he was getting us to pray. And he was talking about, you know what, we need to just have faith now. Believe that God's going to do something now, amen? And something that's powerful about that is the, the word of the Lord says that we need to come to him as a, as a child, you know, as a babe, you know. And something that was awesome, Brother Leo, after coming back from the springs, my goodness, I have not gone swimming in so long. <laughs> my body was aching. You know, usually you feel it the day after. Well, I felt it the day of, you know what I mean? And I was just hurt. I was like, I'm thinking about calling off of work, you know what I mean? Like, trying to make an excuse, but I'm like, nah, I could push through it and... You know, my, uh, my son was like, oh, I want to pray for, pray for you, Daddy. Pray for you. And he prayed for me, you know, in his three-year-old prayer. And he's like, why are you still hurt? You're good. I prayed for you. <laughs> I'm just so blessed to have, have these two kids. Amen. They're so great. Theodore, I love you, son. I'm so thankful for them. So thankful God blessed me to have these children. You know, I'm seeing um, my daughter walk up to the front and clapping off beat and trying to worship. <laughs> My God, I just, I'm just so thankful that we serve a loving God, that he knows what to give us, amen. He knows what makes us happy. He knows what puts a smile on our face, amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful for the people of God, again, Brother Liu. You know, my wife and I, we generally don't go out to many places, you know, we just, we're homebodies, you know, we just, we get things we got to get done in our life, in church, and clock out, you know. And, um, you know, I just felt really powerful for us that we needed to go to the springs. And, man, I'm telling you, dwelling with your, your brethren, you know, like, it's, there's something powerful about it. There's something like soothing and just spiritual and, and calming and knowing that we have people that believe the same thing and we're, we're doing the same thing and we're having fun and, and we're not just having fun, we're also going to heaven together. There's something powerful about that. There's, there's everlasting bonds being made every single day at the Rock Church. Amen? Amen. And if you haven't plugged in already, you know, the Bible says if you want to make friends, show yourself friendly, right? Just plug yourself in. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for, you know, my children, my wife. Bishop and First Lady, thank you for being everything that we need. You know, like, they, they go out their way to help the people of God. And although they're not here tonight, I'm just so thankful that, you know, they are a part of my life, that they are leading me to go to heaven. Amen? Leading us to make it to heaven, amen? Something powerful about a man of God and a woman of God is that they have the spirit of God. And the fact that they have the spirit of God, you know, the word of God, there's a lot of things in the word of God and especially in the New Testament that Jesus did not waste words. There's things that's been powerful in the scriptures that it seems like it was just placed there sometimes. Like, there's no importance, really. But we need to hang on the word of God. We need to hold on to it with dear life, amen. And we also need to hang on to the things that our leadership may tell us and the wisdom they may provide for us, amen. We ought not to say the things that Bishop and First Leader are saying is, ah, you know, I don't really have to do all that. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand for the reading of the word. I would love to say to everybody, I promise not to be before you long, but I'm really not sure if that's going to be the case tonight. But I know the Lord has a word for somebody, somebody's in this house tonight. Amen. If we could turn to the Song of Solomon, chapter 6 and verse 3. 
It says, I am my beloved. Somebody said, I am my beloved. And my beloved is mine. He feedeth them on the lilies. Verse, chapter 8 and verse 6. It says, set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm. For love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be contemn. <laughs> Chapter 7 and verse 10 reads, I am my beloved's. And his desire is toward me. And real quick, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I would like to preach to us today, tonight, I am my beloved's. Let's all lift our hands right now and talk to the lover of our soul, Jesus. Lord, thank you for loving me, God. Thank you for dying for me, Jesus. Lord, all the things that I went through in my past, all the things that I've done, God, Lord, how terrible of a person that I was, Jesus. But Lord, you found it fit to, to save me, God, to redeem me, Jesus. Lord, to lay your hand upon me. Oh, Lord, I'm forever grateful for your mercies, Jesus. Your mercies which endure forever. Your mercies which go on to everlasting, God. Your mercies which I, I do not deserve, God. But, Lord, I'm thankful for it tonight, God. Lord, don't let me forget about your mercies, God. Don't let me take for granted your grace, Jesus. But, Lord, I'm so thankful for who you are, God. Somebody clap your hands to him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. I'm nervous tonight because I feel exactly what God wants me to say, but I not, I'm not sure if I can really convey it. But the Bible tells us in Galatians 3 and 24 that the Old Testament is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. We have to learn from the Old Testament to truly understand and appreciate and know who God is. Amen? There's a lot of things in this Old Testament. But Jesus, he instilled principles for us for the New Testament church. We have to learn and understand these principles because... He wants us to make sure we really understand and comprehend what he's trying to teach us. Amen? He didn't just start out with creation, hanging on the cross and dying for humanity. And started the New Testament church right from the very beginning. Some would say he could have. But I would say, are they wiser than God? <laughs> he understood that. He had to carefully teach us the importance of salvation and who he is. Amen. Because of how important these concepts are, he did not want us to be unfruitful in our understanding. Why we do the things that we do. Why we say the things that we say. Why we act the way that we act. You can find all of this in your Bible and especially in the Old Testament. But if you take a look in the Bible, you can find out why do apostolics praise the way that they praise, Brother Judah. You can find the answers for any question that you might have. And believe it or not, you really do not need the New Testament for that. It's all answered in the Old Testament. Just as it's kind of similar to before you get into calculus and trigonometry, you need to understand basic math. Amen? Amen, um, RCA teachers? They need to know that basic math. Amen? Without it, you will be lost and not understand the importance of order of operation. We are earthly beings. 
which a lot of the times we don't understand earthly concepts, honestly. I mean, there's sayings out there like, my body, my choice, and it's like, that is not an earthly concept. That makes no sense. But for instance, John 12 and 24 tells us, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now this may seem like, duh, you know, if a corn of wheat falls on the floor, of course, more stocks are going to come up. Like we understand that, right? But we really don't fully understand that God created everything to point to him, right? I mean, he had to die and he was planted in the earth and brought forth the people of God. I mean, we have to die and we need to be buried in baptism so that we can bring forth people to the kingdom of God. Amen? This schoolmaster used a lot of shadow and types or figures or some would say metaphors and illusions to give us an understanding of the spiritual world. A shadow and type is something in the Bible that, believe it or not, most non-apostolic scholars, they won't agree with. They say shadow and types, no, it's just the word of God, there's no pointing to anything, just don't look at all that stuff. Honestly, seriously, look it up. <laughs> but a shadow and type is, you know, like a shadow, for instance, is, you know, when a light is behind me, my shadow is cast forth in front of me, right? Pastor's Falaza. The shadow may show my shape and figure. If I'm wearing glasses, you might be able to see the glasses in the shadow. But that shadow isn't me, but that shadow is mine. You know what I mean? That shadow is not me. It's my shadow. It's, it's mine, though. Just as the shadow will give you a picture of how things should be or will be, the Old Testament gives us pictures and understanding how things are or will be or should be. Amen? I feel like I'm losing some people, so just, just give me a second, okay? For instance, with the help of the New Testament, we understand that Adam is the first shadow and type of Jesus. Romans 5 and 18 says, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Because of Adam's sin, we all are supposed to die. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Amen. That as sin hath reigned unto death, unto death, even so might the grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. That scripture says just as Adam caused this mess for us where we have to die, Jesus Christ also made it so that we can make it to heaven and live forever. Amen. We also see that in the book of Luke, the genealogy of Christ, it says that Adam is the son of God. Again, this is a shadow, a type of Jesus Christ. After this, you can quickly still see Jesus in the, New, in the Old Testament. You see the sinless lamb slain by his own brother, or brethren. Genesis 4 and 8 says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? 
I mean, from the beginning, people have been just going crazy, reckless talking to God, you know. My goodness. And he said, what hast thou done? The, the, the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. There's life in the power of the blood, Leviticus tells us. Amen. And, and Abel's blood testified that he was righteous. Abel was slain for being righteous. And Jesus Christ, the righteous, was slain for all the good works that he did. The Jewish people sought to kill him on multiple accounts, but none were justified. Amen? I'm going over a few shadowing types so we can understand something. We all understand this, I understand, but I feel like it's important to understand that there's so many things in the scripture that sometimes we overlook. Another shadowing type is Jesus being Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph, again, was hated by his brethren because of the things Joseph proclaimed. His dreams and visions made it seem like as if he was greater than his brothers and his, and his father and his mother. And in reality, God was just showing Joseph that, listen, you are important because if you are going to die or something, the rest of the family is going to die. We need you, bruv. We need you. Joseph was kind of like a, a male Esther. Whereas the Hebrews, they would have died by the hands of, I believe, Haman. And the people which would have been gone. There would have been no Messiah, no, no lineage, no bloodline. If Joseph would have died, you know, Jacob and his children would have also died from famine. Or if Joseph just didn't answer the call of God, right? If he just like, man, forget this. I'm, I ain't helping them out. There would be no Messiah. But Jesus proclaimed many things also. And he showed the people around him that he had authority more than they did. Such power that he had was the power to forgive sins or that he was the Lord of the Sabbath. And in one place they asked him, he asked the people because they're getting ready to stone him. He says, for what good work do you stone me? And they say, a good work we stone you not. But thou being a man, makest thyself God. You are nobody, Jesus, but you're saying you are not just somebody, but that you are God Almighty. They wanted to stone him. Just a real quick, quick plug to the Trinitarians. They, they knew that Jesus was saying that he was God. That's why they were trying to stone him. Anyways, that's, a, that's another sermon for another time. But Joseph's brothers beat him up. They tore his coat off of him. They left him to die and ended up selling him for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Beat up, spit on, mocked. His clothes were rent and torn off of him. Joseph was a type of Jesus. How his brothers treated him. And the fact that Joseph saved them is so similar to how the people of God treated Jesus. And yet he was just trying to save them. You see, the, Moses, he brings the children of Israel out of bondage. Just as Christ brings the church out of bondage. Amen. You see in Jonah how Jonah spent three days in the belly of a whale, just as Jesus spent three days in the belly of the earth. There's so many shadows and types of Jesus Christ. It's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I wish I had more time to read the whole Old Testament before I was asked to preach tonight. We would have been here a lot longer than expected. So I guess praise God for that one. Not only do you see the shadows and types of Jesus being God, but you also see shadows and types of salvation throughout the Old Testament. To quickly name a few, how in the days of Noah, God was specific on their salvation. God explained to Noah how to build the ark and how his family would be saved by water. Just as today God is specific on how we are saved, 
by water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. First Peter 3 and 20 says, which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was a preparing, wherein a few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure or the, the shadow and type or the type whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Amen? Isn't it good that we serve a God that is specific on how we need to be saved? Like he doesn't, he doesn't just put it out there like, all right, just try your best and maybe I'll accept you. Um, just love me a little bit and, you know, I will judge it at the end of the day to see if you met the qualifications. No, no, no. The word of God is specific on our salvation. You must repent of your sins. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You have the promise to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. With Moses, we see salvation a couple of times. Really, really many times, actually. There's a lot of shadow and types with Moses. <laughs> a lot. Brother Gomez, like, there's a lot, right? I mean, he's on the mount lifting his hands, and it's similar to Jesus being on the cross. It's, there's a lot of stuff on there, okay? But we see Moses talks about the Lamb of God. He t God tells Moses to get a lamb without spot or blemish. And he even go as far as even to say, do not break a bone in that lamb in Exodus 12 and 46. God was specific because this was important. Because when the Messiah died for us, it says that they went to go break his legs, which was the custom, but he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs. God was showing, listen, this lamb that we're killing today is that lamb that's going to die later on. Amen? They take the, the blood's lamb and they put it over the doorpost of their home. The like figure of us getting baptized in Jesus' name. And the blood of the lamb covers the, our body, which houses our soul and spirit. Amen? I'm telling you, there's a, there's a lot in there. We see the children of Israel going through the Red Sea. And I just wonder, like, man, why did God have it be called the Red Sea? Why wasn't the Blue Sea or the Black Sea or the Yellow Sea or the Pink Sea? Or... But it was called the Red Sea because God was trying to teach humanity that we needed to be covered by the blood of Jesus. They went through the Red Sea. They went through the blood water of Christ. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 12, you know, they, it says in the Old Testament that they, they went through the water and they were baptized in the water and cloud, right? They were baptized in water and spirit. If anybody ever tells you that you do not need to be baptized, they are lying. The Old Testament clearly shows you need a water and spirit. It's one baptism. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 2 says, moreover, brethren... I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Everything that we do has already been done. Sister Clark, Solomon said it best. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for this truth. I'm so thankful for the intricate details of the word of God. Amen. Finally, I would like to speak to you about a shadow and type, I guess, or a glimpse of God's love toward the New Testament church. Abraham was a friend of God. He was close and intimate with God. To the, to the degree that God did not want to withhold things from him. 
We understand that God was close to Abraham because when he went to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he made sure he let Abraham know, like, hey, bruv, we about to, I'm about to go and destroy this place, send my angels out there. And, and he was saying that because he knew that Abraham loved Lot. And he knew that he would intercede for Lot. But just as was mentioned on Sunday night, Abraham was so close with God that he knew things that God didn't even tell him. You guys ever had a friend before that you just knew that, oh my goodness, she's going to love this purse. <laughs> or, bruv, John is going to love these Nikes, bro. You ever had a friend like that? You just knew that they would love something, but they've never even conveyed to you that they even like that thing. You just know it. Abraham knew that God would be happy and love the, the ten part that he gave to Melchizedek. Amen? I'm telling you if, if you, if you're not giving your tithes, you are missing out. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Their friendship grows and and it flourishes, and we see the excitement of God with Abraham when he blesses him, Brother Leo. God was not just blessing Abraham just to say, you know what, all right, I'm going to bless you, and this is what I have to do. I'm just going to bless you. No, he was like, he was excited. He was like, you know what, bro, Abraham, I'm telling you, listen, all nations are going to be blessed because of you. I mean, I have a thing that I'm going to do, and, and when it gets there, I'm not going to call them the seed of Christ. I'm, I'm going to call them the, the, the seed of Abraham. He was so excited, Pastor Spilaza, about this new thing that he wanted to do. Genesis 22 and 17 says, that in blessings I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations, somebody say all the nations, of the earth be blessed, because thou, thou hast obeyed my voice. What's funny is, when this was said in the Old Testament, Talking about all nations being blessed, we don't see that happening in the Old Testament. Where do you see all nations being blessed because of Abraham in the Old Testament? You don't see that at all. But he's proclaiming this to Abraham saying, listen, there's going to be a time when there's going to be a people. When they're going to be called by my name. And they're going to receive some blessings, Abraham. That when, when they are blessed, other people are going to be blessed. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm telling somebody that there's something powerful that's written here. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This did not get fulfilled until the New Testament church. The Lord was excited. Musicians, I'm almost done, I think. The Lord was excited talking to Abraham about the things to come. How much Abraham was going to be a part of this plan. He even says in one time in the New Testament that Abraham was glad to see my day. And they said, you were not even 70 years old and you've seen Abraham? <laughs> verily, verily before Abraham was, I am. We see this desire of God to want this New Testament church. I believe I see it in the man Jacob. Bishop, first lady, if I'm wrong, please correct the church when you guys come back. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, if the number seven means completion and covenant, Brother Trevor, if that's what it means, then I believe I might be onto something here. You see, Jacob, he, he saw Rachel, and he was like, whoo, I am trying to marry her, my God. 
He was like, all right, what do I need to do to marry her? Laban's like, you know what? You need to work for me seven years. Seven years? All right, bet. The joy that was set before Jacob made it such that seven years was nothing. He didn't even care. He gets married, wakes up the next morning, and what is that? I thought I was supposed to marry, marry Rachel. <laughs> I mean, we did all this. I was, I, was trying to, I was trying to marry Rachel. What is going on? He ends up marrying Leah. He talks to Laban and everything. He's like, all right, fine. You can have Rachel also. Just work for me seven more years. Two testaments, two covenants, two promises. <laughs> he didn't care for Leah too much. <laughs> but she was important. She was so important. You see, without Leah, there would not be the tribe of Levi. Levi. There also wouldn't be the tribe of Judah. Jacob had to marry Leah. Without Levi, there wouldn't have been a Moses and Aaron, which brought forth the children of Israel and brought them out of Egypt. You will always need a priest. You will always need a pastor to get out of the world. Amen? And when you get out of that world, you, you're going to have to praise God. So we need some Judah also, amen? But Rachel was also important. Because without Rachel, Joseph would have never been born. And like mentioned earlier, Joseph was a male Esther. <laughs> without him, the children of Israel would have perished. But God used him to preserve the bloodline of the Messiah. Jacob worked seven years to marry Rachel. It was effortless. Like I already stated before, the joy that was set before him. <laughs> the joy that was set before Jacob. The joy that helped him work those seven years. The joy that, that made every time he, he laid his hand on the plow, he was like, I know I'm about to marry this girl. The joy that was set before him while Jesus was on that cross. The joy that was set before him while they were spitting on him and mocking him. Come on, somebody. The God who has all power in his hand. The God that, that has power to raise up and to destroy endured the cross. God wanted us so much, and it was like he wanted to rush things. We see this in Exodus. When God talks to the people of God, he says, you guys are going to be the priesthood to the whole world. You're going to be priests to the whole world. I'm not going to have 12 tribes. We're just going to do this thing right now. You guys are just going to go ahead, go out, and be witnesses. But they didn't want it. They said, no, Moses... You go and talk to God. <laughs> if we talk to God, we're going to perish. We're going to die. God had to be with Leah first. <sighs> he wanted the New Testament church. He was eager for it. God, he was eager for it. He proclaimed it. He spoke about it. He spoke about his heart's desire for this thing that we have, for the people who are washed and covered by his blood. But just as Jacob needed to be with Leah and Rachel, God had to have both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Amen? We needed the Old Testament, and the Old Testament needs us, believe it or not. How does the Old Testament need us? They were made perfect, they were made perfect with us and we were made perfect with them because they are a schoolmaster that bring us to Christ. Hebrews 11.40 says, God having provided some better thing for us that they, speaking of them in the Old Testament, they without us should not be made perfect. The God, the nation that God wanted, Peter proclaimed to the church in his epistle, 1 Peter 2 and 9. 
He says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We've obtained mercy by the cruel mockings and beatings Christ endured at his cross. God loves us so much, he endured that mockery. The one who has all power in his hand, 1 John 3 and 16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Romans 5 and 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. David wrote in the 8th Psalm, what is man that God is mindful of him? God created all these things, the sun, the moon, the stars, celestial bodies, all these things God created. None of these things resist his will. None of these things curse his name. None of these things do that which is contrary to what he wants them to do. But when it comes to mankind... When it comes to humanity, he lays down his life for us. He died for us. He loves us, church. I am my beloved's. The love of God is such that the Lord will go out of his way and say, I must needs to pass through Samaria. He would rather go the long way and be detoured for a soul that is in desperate need of him. This individual, who it wasn't even her time for God to even help out. She wasn't a Jew. It wasn't her time to be made known the riches of his mercy and his love. But he loves her and decides to make a detour and says, you know what? I've been watching over you. The Lord will stop what he is doing and look down into your situation in your life. And he will tell you who you are, what you've been through. He will help you realize that you need him. And as you realize this, he doesn't let you go. He will love you and help you through your trials. I said, I am my beloved. The love of God is such that the man with the infirmity of 38 years... Jesus went out his way to go heal him, despite his excuses, despite the fact that he had no man to help him to get in the pool, despite his bitterness. 38 years, he's been waiting on God to do a miracle. Despite all of that, he loved him and had compassion on him and healed him. He didn't rebuke him. Because at that moment, that man couldn't receive it, I bet. He just needed the love and compassion of God. Church, I'm telling someone right now, I am my beloved. Somebody say that with me. The love of God is such that while he is focused and ready to go heal a 12-year-old girl that's on her way to die, a woman with an issue of blood. For 12 years, can touch the hem of his garment. And his very essence, virtue, leaves his body to supply that need. He wasn't focused on this woman with the issue of blood at that moment, but she needed him to focus on her. When she touches the hem of his garment, when she was at her lowest place, he healed her. I said, when I'm at my lowest place, when I feel like God is helping everybody else out, and, and I'm just like, God, where are you? He's able to touch me, church. He's able to heal me. He's able to mend my heart. God is willing to look past our flaws and imperfections. Jesus is ready to look past our faults and our sin because he loves us. He just asks us to love him back. Now, I know people say, oh, he looks past her sin. He will if you love him back. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, 
Repent of your sins. If you love me, turn away from that wickedness. If you love me, turn away. Don't touch that unclean thing. If you love me, confess your iniquity. Confess your transgressions. If you love me. If you love me, let us reason together. Though your sins may be as, as crimson, I will make you as white as snow. I am my beloved's church. If you love me and you haven't got into covenant with me, he says that you can get baptized today. For today is the day of salvation. If you love me, you can, you can get married in and have my name covered over you in baptism. A seal of protection. I am my beloved's. If you love me and you've done all that I've asked... So that now I can empower you with my spirit. You can have victory. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. You can have a comforter that will never leave you. That will never forsake you. Oh, come on. So let's lift our hands right now to him. Those who are without hope, you can now show them hope if you have the Holy Ghost. Those who are without joy, you can lead them to joy if you have the Holy Ghost. Those who are broken, you can lead them to the mender of their hearts. Those that are bruised, you can lead them to the healer of their souls. We are his beloved. The love of God is such that he will let you have a Jonah experience. When you run from him, and he's calling you to do more. The love of God is such that, Jonah, when you are running from him, and the world is going to cast you over the ship, and the world says, we have nothing, no use of you anymore, the Lord will prepare a fish that will cause you to pray. Listen, church, I'm telling someone right now, the love of God is such that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've gone through, he will call situations to come up in your life that you will reach out to him. I was in a situation at one point. I felt like, I felt like the... One of the prophets, I can't remember, <laughs> he just, he called down fire from heaven and he was on his A game, my goodness. I just got done with VBS and, yo, I was on my mountaintop. Everything was good. And then all of a sudden, everything just came crashing downhill. It was like I was, I was bombarded with with depression and, and just thoughts of not being able to be who God has called me to be. And you know what? Why even try? Church, I hate to say it, but it's true. I, I started letting my prayer life slip, Pastor Sloss. I started letting people speak to me in certain ways. And you know what? Maybe I am not that much of a person. Maybe I'm not going to be a, amount to anything that God has called me to be. I started just going on and, you know what, I'm going to just do this and, you know, bless God. I, you know, God is good and, you know, I worship him when I worship him. But God caused something to happen in my life where I, I, I was ready to lose everything that I had. I was going to lose my job, probably lose all, just all these things was about to happen all in one moment. And I remember crying out to God, praying, I said, God. I haven't talked to you in quite some time. Yeah, I talked to you on Sundays. Yeah, I talked to you on Tuesdays, but I haven't talked to you beyond that in quite some time. I said, God, if you can just help me in this situation. I know you don't have to. I know you don't need to. I'm telling you, church, I needed a miracle. And he provided that miracle. And when he provided that miracle, everybody is like looking at me like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. And I just, I'm weeping uncontrollably and they, they're not understanding what's going on. And I'm, I'm just, I'm weeping uncontrollably because God loves me so much. God loves us so much that if we cry out to him, he will redeem us. He will save us. Church, I am my beloved. And my, my beloved is mine. Come on, someone, let's lift up our hands right now to him.
I'm telling you everything that you're going through right now. The enemy wants to tell you that, that God, his vengeance is towards you, that God is not going to forgive you, that God is mad and angry at you. But I'm telling somebody right now that that is a lie from the pits of hell. Jesus Christ, he died for you. He died for you. He shed his blood for you. Not that you can be condemned, but that he can save your soul. Jesus. Oh, God, help me understand your love towards me, Jesus. Church. Oh, church, he, he saw you when he was on that cross. He saw you praising him when he was on that cross. I'm not trying to be cliche tonight, but he saw you. He, he saw you in, in the joy that was set before him. Gave him strength to endure the cross. Gave him strength to let those things be done to him. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Your so spirit that he will pick you up. He will so be there for you. 